Welcome and thank you for choosing the Mental Mindset Podcast presented by DBC Sports Psychology. Mental Mindset is hosted by Andrew Tosi and Zach Perkins, who will discuss mental skills, tips, and tricks to help you, your child, or your athletes be the best version of themselves in and out of sports. We hope you enjoy this week's Mental Spark. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mental Mindset Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Zach. And we're really grateful for you joining us here today. Today is a very special day. It's episode number 12 and we actually have our first guest with us. I'm going to let him introduce himself and kind of give you a little bit of background on him. But just so you all know, his name is Gianpaolo Rufo. Hey, and before he uh, goes ahead and jumps in, I just want all of our people to know we didn't take him uh, captive. He joined by himself and uh, under his good. own want. That's a good point. Yeah, we didn't, so, we didn't, there's not a gun to his head. He's here willingly. He, uh, he just wants to be a part of this, and we are so happy to have him be here. All right, so we'll let him take over. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, my name is John Paolo Rufo. I'm a family medicine physician by training. I'm currently in my residency. Uh, my career goals are to be able to go into sports medicine um, and specialize there, work with some different collegiate teams, uh, originally from the Boston area, so uh, no hard feelings if you've ever lost to a Boston team. Um, super excited to be here today. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we should have mentioned he's a Bruins fan because, as a Rangers fan, you know it's 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 a little hard having two of you on the podcast. I am definitely I, outnumbered. Look, I don't understand what you're talking about. I mean, it must have sucked to lose the other night, but other than <laughs> no, that, no, I, no, what, no. what are you talking about? You know, that's that's really cute of you. That's really adorable. Yeah, John Paul, we're really, really, really fortunate to have you on here. I know that your busy, schedule is incredibly busy. Uh, so I'm glad that we could find the time to finally get you on here. Um, and obviously today we're going to be talking about sport uh, injury and like kind of return from sport. Uh, we're going to give the mental side, the physical side. Zach, you can uh, kind of talk about how you adjust for it as a coach, right? Uh, when injuries kind of happen, it can kind of throw a wrench in game plans and things like that. Um, so it's it's, uh, it's a good opportunity to kind of discuss those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest part as a coach, right, is we push as hard as possible to get an athlete back in the lineup as soon as possible, and it makes your guy's job extremely hard. It's kind of something you just saw with the Bruins, you know, to go down the Boston line, but you had David Poster knock out for eight games, seven games, whatever it was, and Hampus Lindholm was out just the same amount. Uh, you know, so as a coach, you're trying to adjust your lineup, trying to get the results you need to get to stay in a, a playoff push or, you know, jockey for positions in playoff. Um, and it's just as important to not rush those guys back as it is to have them back in your lineup. So it's kind of that balance as a coach of trying to be forceful and trying to keep those guys driving in the right direction while not rushing them back, knowing that the bigger picture is playoffs and, and trying to chase, you know, the ultimate goal. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. So when I see um, patients or athletes, student athletes, whoever it is uh, in the office or in the training clinic, you know, I take into consideration uh, what their schedule is. You know, when is their next game? How is that going to change my treatment plan? What are the playoffs? Okay, is this game critical? Is it not? Is this a starter? Is it not? Um, that all goes into consideration as opposed to someone who is off season and someone who's off season, their treatment plan can look very different than someone who's in season is a key player, a star scorer, and um, they need them for this game for. Uh, to make the playoffs, uh, that's going to happen tomorrow or whatever. You know, those treatment plans are very different. And so it's it can be challenging at times, but having that um, that cooperative sort of uh, working with the others and the other coaches, the PTs, the ATs, um, it all makes it 
um, unique and very special career. So I think with the first situation or like the first kind of question to really go off and I think it'll fit really great for both of you guys because there's really a, a mental and a physical side to this is watching the Celtics game last night, right? Rob Williams, less than four weeks ago, it wasn't even the four full weeks they thought it was going to be, goes out with a, torn, a partially torn meniscus, goes in, has surgery, they clean it out. And like I said, in less than four weeks, he's back playing in the play first playoff series that the Celtics are in. So I guess to start, let's go with the, the physical side and what is, you know, what's a, a general rehab look like? How do you get a player ready when they've lost that time? Uh, both, you know, playing the game, but then trying to get them geared up to go right into a playoff series. And then we'll switch over to Andrew and try to figure out the mental side of it as well. Yeah. So um, a little background, the meniscus asks, um, for those that don't know, acts as a barrier or a shock absorber, not a barrier, excuse me, a shock absorber uh, for the knee to kind of take some compression. So you can imagine um, heavier athletes, larger athletes, or athletes that do a lot of jumping and pounding like gymnasts, their meniscus uh, or menisci will wear down a lot quicker than someone who's, say, for example, swimming. Um, and so those uh, basketball players are much more, have a higher rate of meniscal wear and tear injury compared to Michael Phelps, for example. Um, you know, the, the meniscal injuries will typically happen if there's possibly like a twisting motion, in, motion involved with bending um, as well. Um, often you have this like pop or this click or sometimes it just gets stuck. And really depending on the degree of tear, where it's torn, how it's torn, um, and again, where they are in the season will dictate what the treatment plan is. And then, you know, based on the treatment plan, you're looking at uh, different uh, recovery times as well. So for someone that's going to have a total meniscectomy where they take the meniscus out, which is a little bit different than someone who's just going to have it cleaned up or someone that just does nothing at all. And as the uh, science changes and the advancements in medicine change, as we learn more and more, the different treatments are a little bit different as well as we go through time. So you're telling me that Rob Williams, who's 6'9", 237 pounds, probably beats on those knees a little bit. Yeah, you, a little bit more than I do, who's 5'6", and 160 pounds, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then from the other side of it, Andrew, right? So now we've gone through the medical side and kind of the cleanup and how all of that works. Uh, there's a very, there's a very fragile mental side of the game that comes with that as well. Right. And especially for an athlete who you're given a timeline of four to six weeks and all of a sudden you're approaching four weeks, you know, that you may not be fully comfortable with your knee just based on the fact that, you know, something was surgically done to it. Uh, how do you overcome the mental side of it, build the trust because ultimately it doesn't, if, if everything was done right surgically, your knee is back to a hundred percent, but your mind is what starts holding you back. So how do you start to kind of diffuse that or work around that? Well, it kind of goes back to what John Powell mentioned um, in the previous question, right? This idea of like acute care versus long, like long-term care, or like if they're off season or like, you know, that they need to get back into it. Right. So like for Robert Williams, he got injured four weeks ago around, maybe it was three weeks ago. Right. And so like the idea that we would focus on is this idea of like, what is, uh, concerning you the most right now, 
like, do you trust your knee, right? Like mentally, are you like into it? Like, do you think that you can go back out there and, and jump the same way they used to jump, run the same way you used to jump uh, or, or run, uh, move the same way you used to move, slide the same way you used to slide, right? Like, especially all those things that kind of uh, incorporate any of the, the move, the knee kind of moving, like we'd focus on the acute aspect of it, right? And kind of, and kind of gauge what his trust level with it is. And then we would just address those things. We wouldn't focus on like the long-term aspect of like what the knee is going to do, like, or how his rehab is going to go. It's about really just getting him mentally ready for that next game. Right. So like we would have been focusing really hard on getting him ready for last night. Uh, and this aspect of like, Hey, just trust your knee, but also, also go out there and almost try to act like it never happened, which can be really, really, really difficult. A lot of it is like mental imagery. It's a lot of like, uh, like PMRs or the like, progressive muscle relaxations and like getting the body to feel ready, help him understand like what tense feels like compared to like relaxed. Uh, and also like just kind of addressing like where the injury might've happened on the court and getting him prepared to like go back into that same area of the court. Cause sometimes it can almost like do like triggered flashbacks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. And then, I mean, you know, you, you coming from the coach's perspective of things, right. I think he may handled it really well um, where he came out before the game even started and said, look, Rob's going to be on a minutes restriction, right. As a coach, I'm not going to take a guy who's been out, you know, surgically repaired everything and tell him, all right, go get it, kid. Like you're right back into it. I'm going to play you 25, 28 minutes a night um, and just hope for the best. And it's interesting I guess, short term and long term, when you can start to have that conversation, right? Because you look at um, how Ime Udoka handled Rob Williams and his injury where it was surgically repaired. And then you look at Bruce Cassidy of the Bruins and how he handled David Pasternak and Hambis Lindholm. So like they're playing again tonight. They're playing a back to back. They left them at home. They're not traveling with the team today but he also played both of them for over 30 minutes last night, their first game back. So there's kind of that give and take or that back and forth as a coach of what is the week ahead look like? Kind of like you guys are talking, right? How do we progress and how do we schedule short-term, long-term? Can I hammer these guys for one night? Cause I'm going to give them a day off afterwards, or do I need to work into a minutes restriction and try to make sure that they're going to recover kind of short-term and long-term while still giving us what we need as a coach as well. Yeah, man, you bring up a, an interesting point, too, that, like, when I'm working with coaches as well, there's also the idea of, like, knowing your athletes and also, like, knowing what's good for them. Because as an athlete, right, and all three of us were athletes at, at some level and, and have this mentality, I'm sure, of, like, I'm good. I'm going in there, right? And, like, sometimes that's actually not the best case. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you need to know your athlete and be like, nah, man. Like like you just mentioned, Bruce Cassidy's like, nah, guys, you're sitting out tonight. And I'm sure Pasta is like, nah, I'm not. Like, I'm playing. Right. And unfortunately, like you have to know your athlete and also sometimes make them sit out, if that makes sense, especially when they're first returning from an injury and things like that. Because also mentally, like they could feel like they're ready. But like again, it just takes one tweak. It just takes one like kind of uh, something going wrong where like they flash back and they, they can actually do more damage, especially mentally. Um, and, and I'm sure also physically um, by rushing into uh, like full participation again. Yeah, it's one of the as a uh, a sports medicine sideline. You know, when you're on the on the sideline game, you you're making these split decisions that with a limited amount of information. You know, if I was in the office, great, I'd get imaging, I'd get labs, like whatever I needed. But on the sideline, I'm trying to think ahead. Like, okay, well, if he goes in and or she goes in and they go and they go for a slide tackle, what's what's going to happen to their ACL if their quad is injured or they just got knocked upside the head or whatever? And they're a little bit unbalanced, you know. 
um, trying to think about that sort of anticipation of like, okay, yes, we're injured. Is it safe to go play, number one? Or can you do more damage? And then three, trying to convince the athlete is probably the hardest part of the job and telling the athlete, look, you're you're not going back in, right? I imagine that that's definitely, I'd say, one of the hardest part of the jobs for me uh, personally um, is telling an athlete, look, you're not going back in, which I'm sure has a lot to do with the whole mental mind piece of the of the whole team as well especially if it's one of your stars you know if it was like ronaldo cristiano ronaldo and said listen you're not going back in you're gonna tear your acl and then what are you gonna do for the for the world cup you know i'm sure that really takes a, a huge blow to the rest of the team as well yeah it's interesting right so you have to take this kind of perspective and you almost work like the coaching staff and the medical professionals the mental mindset coaches right like they all kind of work together as a team because at the end of the day like you're the protection against that athlete you need to make sure you're putting their best interest and their best future kind of in perspective for them but like you said John Paulo you have to do it in such a fast manner and I mean you know kind of going off of what you were just saying talking about uh having to make those split second decisions we do that with our with our hockey players right I mean I've had guys get caught end up having stitches right on you know right next to the bench and it's like all right where's this kid out like can we put him back out should he sit out for the rest of the, you know if it's something on the chin where you're not really going to take a big hit or whatever but if it ends up being you know cut on the arm or cut something like that where you're going to have that constant repetitive uh either rubbing from padding or you know you're going to take constant blows from hits maybe that's a decision to not put that athlete back into the game at that point right yeah, it's it's a and it's a um, a team decision, right? You know, what can the what can the athletic trainer do right there on the sideline to kind of put a bandaid, so to speak, on this sort of situation and get them back in the game? Are they even able to go back in, right? A goalie with a broken hand, can you? I don't. I mean, it's it's a tough decision, right? If that's your star goalie, what are you gonna do? Sounds really sanitary, by the way. Just right on the bench. Sure. <laughs> I'll give you some stitches, buddy. The hockey players are different, man. Y'all are freaks. I'm be, I'm gonna be honest. Right, like, so I love not, you. It, I love it. It's not like right on the bench, right? But like the medical table is kind of like just off to the side of the bench. So like it was actually crazy. I think I've told you this story before. I don't know if we've told it on the podcast, but there was legit a kid getting stitches in his chin, like in between the two doorways, which were the entrance to the rink. So like people were walking past him, watching this kid just get stitches thrown into his chin in between periods so he could hop back out for the second period. Like, it, and it was just as if nothing was going, like people were freaking out. We're standing on the bench watching like, wow, man, like that's a pretty deep gash. And the doc's just like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just closing it up quick is crazy. All bleeding stops. Eventually a surgeon once told me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, it's, it's hard to argue that fact, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, chicks dig scars apparently. Yeah. I mean, as a soccer player, we, uh, we don't know what that feels like. I'm going to be honest with you. Like we, we get a cut in our, our chin. We might, we might get it stitched up on the sideline, but we also might just roll around the ground for a few minutes. I heard it was like at least a four to six week injury. Ow. <laughs> well, it's, not, it's not that bad, but Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Zach, I think, I think sport injury brings up a, a whole lot of things to talk about. We don't have the seven hours that we need to discuss everything that we could talk about. Right. Uh, but I know, I know that for me, like one of the biggest injuries that like I've worked with in the past, I was on, uh, I've done some research with an old advisor of mine on this topic when we, when I worked in the rehab facility um, with athletes, like the biggest one we saw probably about like 80% of the time, which is kind of a high number, but it's the truth uh, is like an ACL injury, right? So like this idea of uh, your ACL, either tearing, pulling, ripping, I don't even know all the terms that they can happen. I just know what it does to an athlete mentally. 
Um, but I think I think that's a really interesting one to talk about, especially just because I think in any sport it's it's really common, right? Uh, yeah. Like well, and I think. I, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, sorry. No. I, my my I bit my tongue, so that's my fault. Um, but there's this <laughs> there's this aspect of like um, it it affects every athlete, and it also affects non athletes, right? Like I know that we're not just talking to athletes here. Uh, we're also talking to the weekend warriors. Um, who sometimes go out there and they're running or they're playing pickup soccer or basketball. Uh, and it even can happen in golf as I, as crazy as it might sound, but uh, it's one of those things where like it can happen with anything that you're doing. Um, so it's, it's just an interesting kind of topic to discuss. Yeah. And I'd be interested, I guess, to hear a little more, um, you know, from the medical side of things. I mean, if you think about like the NFL in the last two years, they've shortened the time of preseason, right? So now like during the first couple of weeks of the season, think about all the stars that have gone down with torn ACLs, torn MCLs, things like that. So I guess there's probably a benefit to a little bit longer of a preseason, typically, even for guys like that, never mind the weekend warriors who, oh, it's Sunday, I'm going to go play flag football with the boys and I haven't stretched in, you know, eight months and I'm just going to go full balls, balls to the wall for it, right? Yeah, uh, so ACL injuries super super common. Um, they going a little bit back occur more in females, um, especially fifteen year olds um, around that younger adolescent age, um, because what happens is that the there's an imbalance in strength and musculature in the leg surrounding the knee. So there's an imbalance between the calf, the quads, the hamstrings, the glutes. Um, and it's gender specific because of the way the hips are set and everything else. Um, whereas there's um, the muscle pulls a little bit more on one way than the other. So one way that we, that many studies have shown to kind of reduce the rates of injuries, actually neuromuscular training, which is kind of what you guys are getting into with the preseason where you can train to um, land a certain way. So your knee doesn't buckle in. You can do squats and lunges to kind of keep your knee kneecaps moving straight a little bit more um and there's all these sort of neuromuscular trainings that can happen um the most common i should say the, the whole point of the acl is to prevent the uh tibia which is the shin bone moving ahead of the femur which is your thigh bone um and that can often be torn when it's non-contact and a cutting motion um you know when we always say that non-contact injuries seem to be the worst kind of injuries because they're all this they're usually like lig ligamentous um as opposed to like a fracture yeah fractures suck but you know um so when when an athlete can completely tear an acl it can be quite devastating especially for different sports and often the athlete will feel that instability and they just know something's wrong, right? We know that athletes are very in tune with their body, but they know something's wrong and something's up. And that's the dreaded, that's the dreaded um, uh, injury because there isn't a ton of blood flow to the, to the uh, ligaments. So part, if you're going to have a total repair, part of it, what they'll do is what they call an autograft. So that is when the surgeon uh, will take a piece of your own tendon typically from the patellar tendon, um, which is the tendon that attaches your kneecap bone to your shin bone. Um, and they will essentially, for lack of details, um, plate, replace the ACL um, and try to fix it that way. That's a more common technique for a totally torn ACL. Uh, and recovery time is quite long because not only are you trying to reduce swelling, you're trying to reduce motion and function, but you're also trying to have this 
proper kinetic chain so you don't re-injure it and then you have the whole mental mind piece um, as well. Yeah, man, I, I just love how much you know about the ACL injury and all that kind of stuff. I, I find it so fascinating. Um, I, I think it's awesome uh, when people can kind of get the full, uh, like, rehab stint of it, right? I mean, we hear about people returning now, like, after, like, six or seven months, which is uh, astronomical, right? And I think it also uh, mentally, like, the people that I also work with who aren't, like, elite athletes and just, like, again, the weekend warriors, they also then think that their body should be able to do that. And I think one of the things that is like incredibly important for people to understand is like it's possible, but also like elite athletes and professional athletes have like entire teams dedicated to them that they're working with every single day. When you're a weekend warrior and you're getting the rehab side, you're maybe going two, three times a week, right? You're not going every single day and getting all the same thing. So like, please set your limitations correctly and listen to your doctors, right? When they tell you the certain time frame, it's probably right for you. It's not you're not an elite athlete to the level of that, but like mentally. Right. There's that's where this idea of like returning to sport and having the same function, the same power, the same ability that you did before, like performing at that same level that you used to before the injury, like pre-injury. I think that kind of stuff is what affects the athletes that I work with, or at least through my experiences that I've seen the most. You know, this this idea of like, will I be able to do what I used to do? And sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. And what no matter what the answer is. My job as a sports psych consultant is to get them ready to be able to perform at their new level, whatever that may be. And sometimes, uh, and I'm sure John Powell can back me up with this, like they can actually do more than they used to be able to do, right? Like sometimes a full restructure allows them to kind of like he was like he was talking about, like allow them to like realign certain things that maybe were out of whack through to like um, like different muscle buildups and things like that. Like sometimes it can help. I'm not sure. I've just, I've only heard of it one time with an athlete that I worked with where they they're like, I can do different things. And I'm like, that's amazing. I had no idea that was possible. Uh, so I don't even know what the science says, but uh, it's just one of those things where like getting them prepared for that new, their new normal, I think is really important. And that limit side that we, that I focus on. Yeah. And I think it's important too, right? It's kind of, you, you started to say it a little bit, but setting the expectation, right? You said it for the, the weekend warriors, but it's the same for, uh, for any athlete. And I think the other part of it is setting the expectation for the team around you, right? Because it's not just, especially as the weekend warrior and not as the, the elite athlete, um, you have a care team around you. It's not as large or not as advanced as, uh, you know, the professional athletes, but it's, it's your significant other, it's your children, it's whatever it may be. It's your parents. If you're younger and you know, you're still in high school. Uh, and there's just as much of a strain on, on that team as there is on the athlete themselves trying to get together or get themselves back to playing shape. So it's important to make sure that that expectation is set all the way around. Um, so that that healing team can also be a support system because we all know we've all come back from injury. It's grueling and it sucks to sit on the sidelines when you want to be the person that's typically in there playing. So you need to have that support system to make sure that you're staying on track and you're not rushing your body back. That's a good point. I mean, when you we've seen it time and time again, I know I've done this personally when you just say, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I need to get back. And the team needs me. And, you know, we've we've been there where you just go in and your body's not ready and you injure something else or you re-injure your meniscus or whatever it is because you haven't had that proper um, therapy to get back, to have that kinetic chain movement, to you think your mind is above your body's speed often, you know, especially with those weekend warriors. You think you can still make that um, that time or that reaction speed that you used to have that you don't have no more <laughs> and then you end up getting hurt. But, um, 
you know, we've done it again and trying to allow yourself give have that expectation that you that you mentioned, Andrew. Um, okay, this is going to set me back twelve weeks, but I'll get back at it. You know, okay, I'll be with the team next week. Uh, I'll be doing something a little bit different, and so working with that team around you, even though it may be not the players, but a new medical team, a new whatever it may be, your support system is uh, super important. 100%. I think the support system is one of the biggest things for anything that athletes face, you know? So like piggybacking off all of that idea. What I, what I think is really cool about having us three all in the same room is this idea of like if an athlete actually was injured, right? Us three would actually all be meeting together discussing this athlete and kind of what the plan is. And I think that's, I think that might be one of the parts that like our listeners don't truly understand, but like for what John Paolo does as a doctor, uh, like in, in the whole rehab aspect and what I do as a sports psych consultant and you as the coach aspects, right, Zach, like all three of us would be in a room working on the treatment plan being like, all right, John Paolo, like what's it looking like? And you guys would be like, Hey, like, how's his mental state? Like, how's he feeling? Obviously I'd have to, I wouldn't like disclose personal information as any of us would. Right. But like, it would just be like, like, you know, he's a little hesitant. Like he's, he's feeling a little, he's feeling a little like he needs to ease back a little bit. And and then we talk about like what they're doing in the rehab room. Like the AT would be here too, the PT, like all these things, like there's a whole treatment and support system on that back end that I think is really awesome too. Uh, and then another mental thing that like me and John Paulo and Zach, I think we mentioned it to you before in the pre-meeting is this idea of like what's happening outside of sport, right? Like, like their team is still performing, their team is still doing team events and they may not be able to, right? I know I've worked with a, with a college soccer player who that was one of the biggest things for her that was like a real struggle. Right. Like this aspect of like my team's still getting together. My team is still traveling. They're still practicing. And I have like I have class or I have rehab or I have uh, my own responsibilities at those times. And like, I don't even feel like I'm a part of the team anymore. So like, what's it going to be like when I return? You know? Yeah, 100 percent. And I mean, it's funny because that's always a, a concern. Right. But then you see it from any athlete. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's the, you know top athlete on the team or if it's just one of the the players that's maybe more of a support player um you're there for a reason you made it to that point for a reason and your team loves you just the same so it's just as you know they welcome you back with open arms um that and that's from the coaching staff all the way down typically very rarely do you see somebody like oh yeah you're on the team that's right i forgot about that you know what i mean yeah i mean from from what i do you know i primary care sports medicine uh going into that training you know Yes, into sports medicine, but also family medicine, where you're kind of taking this the athlete for for everything they are and who they are. You know, some of these athletes, they're not just an athlete. You know, some they're a mother, they're a father, they're a brother, sister, cousin, uncle, whatever it may be. Um, and so, you know, especially the mindset where okay, I'm injured now, my pay, my family's dependent on this pay. That's a huge that's a huge burden for the entire family now. Um, and then it can lead to depression and other sort of um, symptoms as well, not just, um, not just as injury revolved around, it can go a lot deeper, you know, even at the collegiate level, if you're talking about medically disqualifying an athlete because they have whatever pots or something different where their body just is no longer able to perform, um, this, sometimes the athlete has taken on the identity of who they are. You know, when you ask, okay, when you say Tom Brady, who's Tom Brady? Oh, he's, he, well, from what I remember was a Patriots the Patriots uh, quarterback, but regardless, um, he, you know, when you think of these athletes of who they are, some of them just leave the college completely because they need to form a whole new identity um, because they were the soccer player. They were the 
the quarterback for Michigan, whatever. Um, it's a it's a very involved. It's not just as simple as a lot of people may think it is. It's 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 pretty involved, and it does take the whole team. Jim Paul is one hundred percent correct, and I think uh, it, down the down the line on one of the dockets we have here, maybe we'll have him back to discuss transferable skills. Right, that's one of the things that I. Uh, I see a lot with, with college athletes, especially, right? Like this idea, whether it's, and, and if it's not by choice, like John Paul was talking about, where like, it's an injury, like they're not choosing to truly stop. Like, and it feels like that it's taken away from them and things like that. Like that kind of stuff can really mentally mess up somebody. I mean, think, put yourself in that shoe. Like uh, for anybody listening, like whatever you do, imagine someone just said, you can't do it anymore. Not your choice. Doesn't matter. And how do you respond? How do you think about that? Like it, it can, it can really mess something up. Right. Um, and again, like that's one of the things that I love about my training. My background is in more of an athletic counseling aspect where like we look at the athlete as a person first and then athlete comes second, right? Like, Hey, what's going on for you? Like, like John Paolo mentioned, like the different hats. That's what I, that's my analogy for it. Like we all have different hats. Some of them never come off and some of them we have to sometimes wear twice or three times. Um, so that kind of stuff's really important. Um, but it, it's, it's all about the system, right? And when it comes to sport injury for me, it's it's really the aspect, at least mentally, like how do we get athletes prepared? How do we get them ready? How do we get them so that they feel 100%, not just physically, right? Obviously, I don't deal with the physical stuff, but I stay in my lane of the mental side where it's like, how do, how do we get you so that you feel like you can go out there almost like the injury didn't happen, but also like knowing that the injury did happen and knowing that you're actually stronger or better than you were before all that, you know? Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, from the coaching side of things, right, it's it's just as much as we're there to win and do everything, we're there to support that athlete as well. And, you know, in previous podcasts, you and I have talked just about who I am as a coach and kind of, you know, what drives me as a coach. And I've always told you it's compassion and it's it's really being there for the athlete over being there for myself, right? I care more about my athletes than kind of what I'm there for. Yeah. Um, I I always try to put those athletes first. And I think that's really, it's, that's what we have to try to do as, as the entire group, right. Is put ourselves in a position where the athletes know that at the end of the the day, we're there for them. We're trying to push for them. Um, even if it does become, you know, an injury, we talked about injuries that like an ACL, right. That's something you typically can come back from, take some time, but it is what it is. But like you said, there's injuries where, you know, that ends somebody's career and how do you support that person you know, just because they're not part of the team in terms of uh, competing doesn't mean they're not still part of that family. So how do you support them as they start to transition into a different, you know, different life goal, basically, is what ends up happening. For sure, man. You know, you know, I, I know we're, uh, we're running on our, our, our clock is ticking here, but I do have a, an interesting question for all three of us to answer. Right. I know my answer, but I'm curious from the coaching side and from the doctoral side. Right. We've talked a lot about uh, the idea of after an injury. Right like what happens after the injury uh, and then how do we respond to it? But what about like before, like how do we prepare ourselves so that maybe we can be less injury prone or like kind of like pre prevent injury or be like uh, just kind of prepared for that aspect, you know, like Zach, you can start John Paulo, you can start or, or I can start, but I prefer not to. I mean, I think from the coaching side of things, it's very much relying on uh, the team that you have in place, right? So it's that it's that strength and conditioning team. It's the people uh, that you've tried to bring into the program to make sure that your athletes are keeping their body in maybe not game shape, right? Because you go into the off season, you might do a little bit of uh, heavier weight lifting. You're doing some building at that point versus when we get into the season, we try to do maintenance versus, you know, breaking down muscle and then rebuilding it. Um, 
but it's making sure, you know, or trying to keep your athletes in, in a place where they're continuing to do that maintenance. Uh, and they're looking to keep their body really in game shape rather than, Hey, it's off season. I'm going to go sit on the couch for the next, you know, four months and play video games and hang out. And then, Oh, back to college. So day one, here we go. I'm just going to hit the ground running. It's trying to make sure you're doing that side of things. This, man, I'm about to get on my soap. I'm trying not to get on my soapbox, but this is something that's very near and dear to me. Is, get up there uh, and preach. Get up there and preach. We want it. Is uh, recovery and what happens during recovery, right? We know there's all these athletes coming out with the the recovery plan and how important it is. It's And there's multiple different pieces to recovery. Sleep. Sleep is so important. Nutrition. Uh, your mental recovery as well, um, and then kind of what you can do in the training room, out of the training room, neuromuscular training, you know, to, to stay in that sort of shape, especially for those weekend warriors as well as those um, elite athletes, professional athletes, is is really recovery. So sleep, we know that sleep is just – is so important, you know. Uh, sleep, a deep sleep specifically allows you to rebuild muscle, allows you to have those neuromuscular connections, to have those uh, dendritic trimmings, um, allows you to learn new plays. Uh, they found that uh, sprinters that have um, eight to 10 hours of sleep are sign- have a significantly faster um, off the block time and a higher uh, speed compared to those that sleep six, four, four, six hours a night. You know, you I'm, I'm trying not to get my soapbox, but you think about athletes that have to travel as well and how that impairs a lot of high schoolers, even, you know, how much sleep are they going? They're going on whatever, whatever social media until 12, two o'clock in the morning, they get up at seven o'clock. That's what five, six hours of sleep. No, and a, a high school athlete needs eight to 10 hours of sleep to perform well. Nutrition, nutrition, what you put into your body, you, you basically, you can't put diesel into a Ferrari, right? We know that. Um, <laughs> I hope we don't die. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be an expensive Some repair. Some people don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it was about five, ten years ago. I can't remember who it was. Um, he was on a date, and he went to the movies and got nachos. He was out for that next NFL game because his body was not going to tolerate. So what you put into your body and how much you put into your body is important. There's this whole thing, especially um, with athletes eating clean, the FODMAP, um, not eating any carbs or, oh, I should only be eating this much. I have to eat all protein. No, it's not true. Um, you, There's tons of nutritionists, uh, dietitians specifically that can help you, uh, sport um, dietitians, sports-focused dietitians that can really help you. If there's gimmicks that you find, you, you know, it, it, a lot of athletes may or may not need these gimmicks and these boosters. Um to kind of to kind of recover so sleep nutrition that neuromuscular training uh kind of like what you talked about in the training rooms as well getting those muscles ready staying in shape um having those uh fast twitch having their uh carbs loaded in there having the muscles to protect that acl as needed um and then that mental recovery as well okay we we just come back from a big loss or i know you guys had a master's podcast which was awesome for anyone that hasn't listened should check it out um, you know, what happens if you have a, a missed pitch or you have a, a missed putt, you know, how do you recover from a horrible loss or whatever it may be? Um, so there's a lot of pieces of recovery that try again, trying to stay off, but I can talk about that for hours. 
we will we will have you back for your soapbox episode. I promise. <laughs> I, uh, I I love getting on my soapbox, and that's one of the cool things about having a podcast is you can say whatever the hell you want. So uh, it's one of the beauties of it. But but for me, in the mental side, right, it's it really comes down to one thing of like controlling what they can, right? Um, like a lot of times, like we can we want to like blame maybe the situation that we were in. Maybe we didn't follow our superstition the same way that we did, and we want to blame that. At the end of the day, what's going to happen is going to happen, and we just have to kind of respond. Right. Like life is literally 90 percent what happens or 10 percent what happens to us, 90 percent how we respond to it. Uh, and, and working with athletes mentally on that side, it's about like making sure that they understand that and like not being like, well, what if I didn't do this? What if I didn't make that step? What if I didn't take that hard? Uh, what if I what if I stretched a little bit more? Like it's like it's like, cool. What, what if you did? Right. You still might be in this exact same situation, but it doesn't matter. You are here. Let's focus on what we're doing. And before the injury, right, that aspect of like just getting them prepared to also understand that like anything can happen and it's about how you respond to it, right? And it's one of those things where like obviously I'm not preparing them to get injured. That's not what we're doing. But it's the idea of like getting them prepared to like kind of face or experience any challenge that may come across their way and understand that like in those moments, it's about what you control. At the end of the day, it's only yourself, right? If you get injured on the field, you can get angry, you can get mad and and understandably so show the emotion, but also don't beat yourself up because you got injured right? Your body is a wonderful, amazing thing, but it's also very fragile at times. And it's also incredibly strong at other times. So it's the idea of like being thankful that we're able to do these things uh, and, and like taking appreciation for the idea that like you get to do these things. I talked about it before of like, instead of like thinking about like working out or stuff like that as like, we have to do these things. It's the idea that we get to, right? In a, in a split instance, like it can be taken away from us. So sometimes I work with athletes, some they're like complaining about like, ah, oh, man, I couldn't make that three foot putt today. Or like, oh, I missed my free throws. It's like, it's like, yeah, man, but you were out there, right? Like, let's let's dumb it down just a little. Like, make it so it's very simple for you of like, hey, you know what? You got the chance to, so work harder at it. But don't don't beat yourself up because it didn't happen. Like, and encourage yourself because you get the opportunity to do it again tomorrow. Um, and the same thing with injury, right? After they're injured, it's like, all right, like, what were you not good at before? Maybe we can get you better at it, like now, right? And like, the, like John Powell mentioned, there's the mental aspect of recovery too, of like the setbacks and not meeting certain milestones and certain goals and like working through those things. Again, focusing on what they can control about it. But also like uh, one of the cool things that we used to do in a rehab facility was uh, was imagery, right? Like we used to like have them imagine their body attack, like not attacking their injury, but like going to where they're injured and seeing that that kind of uh, the injury kind of re restructure itself or like form itself and kind of um having their body like see themselves do that which is a really cool kind of thing again it's really hard to study and understand but you can understand how it might affect someone's mood and just like john paul was talking about sleep is incredibly important uh, also for the mental side uh, which i will not get into and get i'll stay off my soapbox um but at the end of the day sleep is pretty important so um yeah i mean it's it's uh, i thought that was a pretty cool question i love how all of us answered it I think at the end of the day, it sounds like we need to have John Paulo back on and we're going to title that episode, The Soapbox, and we're just going to get after it so that we can all feed back (laughs) into, uh, you know, how we feel about things and, and kind of go off on it. But uh, other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't have a ton to add in either. You guys got anything you want to finish up with? I think I've just mentioned like John Paul for you, like uh, we're really grateful that you came on. Your knowledge is obviously so vast uh, and we only touched on a, a little bit of it. So if anyone has any questions, um, not that we want to add work to you, but like, is there any way that like you think that they could reach out to you uh, like an email or anything, if they have questions or like even just more information on some of the stuff we talked about? Yeah. So um, a great resource um, is the AMSSM website. So, 
uh, again, AMSSM website. That's the American, basically American Academy of Sports Medicine. Um, and there's a bunch of uh, tip sheets on there that we that the uh, community, sports medicine community is working on. There's also some orthopedic website, um, Academy of Orthopedics, where there's tip sheets on there as well, uh, especially if you have an injury. And, okay, what does recovery time look like? What are my treatment options? How can I put off surgery when I'm 65 and have osteoarthritis from this? You know, what? Uh, there's some great information there. I will say, if you are going to Google stuff, use your... Uh, use your caution there's a lot of opinions out there as opposed to fact um you can always reach out to your local primary care physician if they have questions or your local um sports medicine doctor if they have questions there and uh using your resources around you as well um whoever your support team is resources around you so i really appreciate you guys having me on back on here uh well i should say on here for the first time i look to come back and be on my soapbox another time. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah, uh, guys, we're uh, we're incredibly grateful. This is episode twelve, uh, a little bit longer than normal, but that's because we had a guest. We have a few other guests coming up. I know Zach's got some people lined up, uh, and John Pilot will be back. So if you enjoyed it, again, give us some feedback uh, at the email. Zach's going to do his little uh, exit uh, speech here. Um, so as for me, uh, really grateful for everybody listening, taking a listen. I hope you guys learned something. Hope you took something away from it. Even if it's the idea that like sleep is important, if that's the last thing you take, I that's, that's fine. Again, it's just about (laughs) affecting one person and giving that one tip or trick, uh, to kind of change one person's life. So I think that's really important, but for me, uh, I'm going to go, uh, try and get some sleep and, uh, and not injure myself. I think the big thing, just to wrap it up from our side, um, there were two things to take away from this, right? Sleep was obviously one of the big ones. The other thing, like Jean Paulo said, uh, don't use WebMD. In four clicks, you'll end up dead. So don't go there. Um, <laughs> other than that, uh, we do appreciate all of your support, all the time you guys spend listening to us. Um, it is a weekly soapbox for us, whether we like to admit it or not. So uh, we have a ton of fun doing it. Please don't, you know, go out there. Um, leave us a five-star review, give us some feedback, whatever it may be. As always, you can get us at the email mentalmindsetpodcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you guys next week.